Romans 8. Let's go to Romans 8, verse 18. Romans 8, verse 18. This is from the Passion Translation. It says this. I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom that comes from God's children. The entire universe, this planet, this city, the world around you is standing on tiptoe. It's, it's yearning, it's anticipating for the exposure, for the revealing, the unveiling of the sons and daughters of God. And Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's, it's in anticipation currently in this moment. The world, the city is, is on their tiptoes. They're anticipating something. Have you ever felt exposed in a good way? Exposed for something good? I had a moment years back, early 2000s, where the internet was still a new thing. And I was a, a little bit computer illiterate. It sounds, it sounds kind of funny that I was 20 years old during that time, or in my early 20s. And the internet was still new to me. And uh, I was putting together an email to send to my wife. And it was sappy, to say the least. It was pure. We are just engaged. But it was sappy. It was lovey. It was like all the language. It was basically like a packaged R&B song. <laughs> it was sappy. And so I put together the email. I sent it to her. And then I also sent it to Roman somehow. And Roman is just a random guy I know from Seattle <laughs> that I haven't talked to in like a couple years. <laughs> And so Roman gets back to me, and he's like, hey, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think you're meant to send this to me, but it sounds like you're in love. And, and so I was exposed. I was exposed for my love. I was exposed for the, the sensitive man that I am, at least in that moment. I was exposed for something good. And now the word unveiling that we see in the scripture in Romans 8, the word unveiling is the Greek word apocalypsis. Apocalypsis. Does that sound familiar? Has a little ring to it you're familiar with? It's the same word used for the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Apocalypsis. The revealing of Jesus Christ. The unveiling of Jesus Christ. The exposure of who he is. The unveiling of of the hope of glory that is in us. And God, so God wants to expose us. He wants to, in a sense, glorify us. He wants to unveil who we are, the goodness of God, the light of God, the, the power of God, the, the gifts of God inside of us. He wants to expose to the world around you. And I, I, I understand that there's going to be a day where there's going to be a resurrection. We're looking forward to that. 
where immortality becomes, or mortality becomes immortal, where that which is corrupt becomes incorruptible. There is a day we look forward to, there is, but throughout history, there's always been ebbs and flows and patterns of revivals and awakenings and renewals and exposing and unveiling and revelations of who Jesus is. And you know, since the beginning, since the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, there's been a trajectory that's gone from glory to glory. It's kind of like the stock market. It might have ebbs and flows. Now, I don't know if it's going to do this, but let's look at the history of it. it. There's ebbs and flows, but it's always going uphill. And since the church was born and the grace of God was released on this planet, the church has gone from glory to glory. I don't know if you, I don't know, if you know that. This isn't, this, the trajectory of things is not depressing. There might be ebbs and flows, but we're going uphill. And God wants to reveal something through your life. A few months back, I was uh, on what I've coined a supernatural fatherhood retreat. Big word for something that's just for me. I don't even have like a website. Supernatural fatherhood retreat. It's just a moment for me to get away and to be able to like spend time with God and to um, meditate and pray. And, um, and so I was in Parksville, represent Parksville, woot woot. Um, and just wanting to hear God. You know, we live in an interesting time. We know this. But I was just like, okay, it's November 2021. That's when I'm there. I'm, you know, coming into the new year soon, January 2022. And I'm just asking God, you know, what, what are you, what's your perspective? What's your thoughts? What's your narrative? Like, what is it I'm meant to lean into and latch onto and be a part of? What are you saying, right? And so... I wrote some stuff down when I was there, and I wrote it down, and I felt the Spirit of God stirring something inside of me, and I wrote this down. The earth will be shaken one more time, but I'm coming with vengeance, with zeal to save my people, to lift them up, to make my name known through their lives. Look for resurrection life for heaven on earth, for spaces and places that are eternal in nature, always fruitful even in hard times. That is me, a testimony, a lighthouse, salt, light, promise, and hope. And then fast forward just a few, few weeks back. Um, I was in, at Ryan and Sarah's. There were some of us there in that room. And I also felt another just, I guess, prophetic word. And, um, and so I just wrote that down as well. And it, it was something like this. Due to shaking, some things have been exposed within the church. But God has been and will deal with what's ex- been exposed with mercy and compassion. But the shaking is coming to a tapered end. And now God wants to expose the beauty and the glory of his bride. God wants to expose you. I know it sounds a little spicy, that word, but in a good way. God wants to unveil and expose who you are in him. The world needs you. Luke 12, 2 says, everything hidden and covered up will soon be exposed. Good and bad. We've seen some bad things may be exposed, but God's into exposing some good things. That's his ultimate intention. We should actually want to be exposed. What's done in secret, we should want to have displayed in the open. 
That's the testimony the world needs. The, the, the world doesn't need hypocrites. The, the world needs authenticity. They need what's done in secret to be exposed in the open. That's the only moment it becomes a testimony. Any other thing is just a bunch of talk. That was kind of spicy. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Watch out. Come on, let's go. I've never even said that before. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, I'm so young. <laughs> the world needs to experience what's inside of you. Why? Because you are the light to the world. You are the salt to the earth. Matthew 5, 13 to 15. Your lives are like salt among the people. But if you, like salt, become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. Your lives light up the world. Your lives light up the world. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Who would do that? I don't know, maybe the church for a little bit? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. Where your city can benefit from your light and the light that is in you, Christ in you. So how, how is your light benefiting the world around you? It's a good question to ask. How is your light benefiting and bringing life to the world around you? Because sometimes we can spend a lot of time just analyzing and criticizing and, and being concerned about the darkness in the world around us, can't we? You know, we become too, like, just educated on, on all the darkness that's unfolding before our eyes. We, our focus becomes on, on that. But, and I, I understand there are moments, like, we need to have discernment. You know, we might, you know, we, we might be concerned that certain historical patterns that are negative will happen again, and you, you can kind of have your finger on that pulse. I, I understand awareness in that sense, but, but maybe, according even to the scripture, maybe the world around us is in darkness because it hasn't yet benefited from your light. It's, I just did. <laughs> but thank you. I was going to repeat it, but it seemed to do something, so. <laughs> I will say it again. Maybe the world is dark because it hasn't yet benefited from your light. And, um, you know, we... Your, your, your light, your expression of God in this earth might look different than me. We might, you know, it, the grace of God on our life, on my life, might look different than yours. And so there's diversity in this, in the way God expresses himself on the planet. You know, Tiff and I run a music school. And just not too long ago, during the pandemic, we had to get into a new space. And already we're managing our location and all the like protocol and 
stuff I didn't sign up for. I'm like a scientist and doctor and business owner all at the same time. And we had to get into a new space because the space we're in was about to be demolished. And it went from like a year lease to like three months to like monthly. And so we're feeling it. And we're like, we need a space to function. And thank God we got into a new space and we're very much blessed by God. It was actually quite supernatural the way it happened. But we got into this new space and, you know, we had to do a build out, get it all ready. And anything we do as a company, as a business, we do our, our best to just engage with God on what, what does it look like to run a company that looks like heaven on earth? You know, when it comes to all different components of it, when it comes to the design, when it comes to the systems and policies, when it comes to the culture and the DNA of the company, all the ingredients, you know, we, we ask God, you know, God, we ask that your kingdom would, would come and that our business would look like the kingdom of God on this earth. So we engage God in that. And so, you know, we opened our doors in January, uh, just a year and a bit ago. And, uh, you know, there's one lady that came in through the doors, one of her clients, one of the moms, and she teared up. Now, I don't know. I mean, maybe she, like, tears up all the time with little things. But she teared up just by coming into the waiting room. And I don't know. Like, I, I, I think just maybe she encountered a little bit of heaven on earth, a little bit of the light that brings benefit to the world around us. You know, because my light, our light during this season, in part, is building a business that looks like heaven on earth. And so your light might be your business. Your light might be writing songs. Your light might be uh, engaging in politics or the economy or the church. Your light might look different than my light. But I believe today that God wants to stir our hearts toward what that light is. And that the purpose of God would so come alive, so would come alive in you uh, uh, this morning. Um, I like this quote from uh, N.T. Wright. He says, what you do in the present by painting, preaching, singing, sowing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as you love yourself will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly. I love that word. He's like an old scholar. A little less beastly. A little more bearable until the day when we leave it behind altogether. They are part of what we may call building for God's kingdom. These things we engage with on this planet, let's not coin them as necessary evils until we go to heaven. The kingdom of God is alive and well right now. And he wants to see it unpacked on this planet. So going back to Matthew 5, but now in verse 16, it says, So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that your commendable works will shine as light upon them. And then they will give their praise to the Father in heaven. Do not hide your light. Don't put it in an obscure place. Don't hide it. 
Don't hide it under a bush. Oh, no. Some church people, little rumble of laughters. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Coco, sing it. We don't want to hide our lights. Before I was born, um, my mom actually had a decent amount of discouragement when it came to having another child. And it came from the church, in part because of the context, because of the belief system within the church. I don't know if you know movies like A Thief in the Night. Anybody? <laughs> Probably, yeah, that's okay. It was a bit traumatizing. Left behind, there you go. <laughs> that's a, I'm young and old at the same time. Um, there was just a narrative within the church that had a lot of emphasis on the Antichrist, the mark of the beast. These things were happening. And so people were discouraging my mom from having another child. Like, what's the point in having a child if they're going to be born and raised in that context? Why set them up for that? Why set them up to have to live in the forest and live off of beans? And to run from the Antichrist because they don't want to take the mark. I mean, like, literally, that was the narrative. And so she was discouraged. When she was pregnant, in her moment of, in a, in a moment where, when, when she was discouraged, she was praying and she felt God say to her, that you're going to have a boy. And he's going to help in rebuilding the temple of God. And my mom said that to me years ago, and she reminds me of it all the time. But that's something I've tucked away in my heart for years all the time. I'm always looking for it. God, what does it look like? How do I involve myself with this? How am I meant to rebuild the temple of God on this earth? What does that look like? But my question to you today is, how many babies have not been born because parents agreed with fear? And people who also were meant to help in rebuilding the temple were also meant to bring light to this planet or were meant to, to be in politics or business or music or whatever it is that weren't born on this planet because people believed a narrative that didn't come from the Father, ultimately. You know, there's a lot of narratives out there. I feel like that word narrative in general is just used all the time. What's your narrative? You know, my narrative... I feel like 10 years ago, I never even used the word at all, and now just narrative, narrative, narrative. But I, I, the word narrative is, is, is used a lot, but I do believe that there's almost like, like a narrative war, like a war for our perspective. Because the enemy would love for us to focus on the darkness, on what he's doing, on the calamity, on destruction. He wants us to focus on those things. There's a war for our perspective, but the Father in heaven has a design, has a, a concept, has opinions, he has thoughts, he has a narrative, he has an agenda. And God wants to give us his perspective. John 7, 17 says this, if you want to test my teachings and discover where I received them, first be passionate to do God's will. And then you will be able to discern if my teachings are from the heart of God or my own opinions. 
our discernment and proper judgment of the times and people's agendas will only be accurate when we are passionate to do his will and when we first deal with our own hearts. So again, like if, if my mom believed the narrative, there's a chance I wouldn't have been born. And I want you to just, hopefully it lands for you today that it's, it's, not, it's not the time to hide. It's not the time for self-preservation. I mean, we're not all called to the city. Some of us are called to the farmlands. That's awesome. You know, you can live off the land. That's the, God blesses you in the city and he blesses you in the country. It's a beautiful thing. But God has an agenda. God has a narrative. And it started even all the way back from the time of Adam and Eve. When God blessed them and said, bear fruit and multiply, fill the earth. In other words, bring my culture to this planet. That was God's narrative. And in Jesus, he redeemed that narrative. And it's now still happening today. And it's going from glory to glory. And it's being unpacked in our midst. And we're a part of that process. And it goes past 2030. And it keeps going from glory to glory. It's true. Some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. I think it's, it's speaking of, of Adam and Eve, I think it's, it's, it's kind of good to, to, to remember that, well, Adam and Eve, they, they didn't actually, like, go to church. Have you ever thought about these things? They didn't have a Sunday service to go to. They're just human, created in the image of God, in right relationship with God. Loving God, loving each other, blessed commission to bring culture to this planet. I, I think in, in simplicity and to put it in simple terms, that's kind of what church is. As a church... We're not simply meant to model to humanity what church looks like. But the church is meant to be God's model for humanity. The world needs to see us on display so that we know what humans are meant to look like according to God's design, according to God's agenda. We need to be on display so that they know how the planet is meant to function according to God's stewardship, according to love, according to justice, according to mercy. They need to see us on display. They need to see our works so that, so that they can then see that and, and, and focus themselves on God and say, I give the Father glory because this must be something that came from heaven. So one of my questions for you today is, are you, are you ready to be exalted? Are you ready to be exposed and unveiled what's inside of you? Are you ready to see the purpose of God 
released in and through your life. You know, because humility, humility will, will lay it all down. Humility will, you've heard the language in this space, will tie itself up on the altar, lay it all down. Humility will do that. But humility will also believe to be raised up again. And if you don't believe in the exaltation part of humility, then in the beginning, it might not have been humility. Because God exalts the humble. Does that make sense? So there are five things I want to point out to you this morning. From the book of James, chapter 4, verse 6. Five things that I believe will help us understand how to posture ourselves and position ourselves for exaltation, for exposure, for the unveiling of what God wants to do in and through our lives. So James 4, verse 6, says, But he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us, for it says, God resists you when you are proud, but continuously pours out grace when you are humble. So then, surrender to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will flee in agony. Move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Feel the pain of your sin. Be sorrowful and weep. Let your joking uh, around be turned into mourning and your joy into deep humiliation. Be willing to be made low before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So the five things extracted from from this scripture to posture and position herself for this unveiling. Number one, surrender to God. Again, we know the language in this house. We lay down our lives. We, we, we pick up the cross. We die to ourselves, and we follow him. We surrender to God, number one. Number two, stand up to the devil and resist him. Don't be neutral. Stand up and actually like offensively resist him because he's looking to take you out and he doesn't want to see that light on display. Number three, move your heart closer and closer to God. Pursue intimacy with God. Make it your intent to pursue him and intimacy with him. Draw close to him and he will draw close to you. Make that an aim. Number four, cleanse your life and keep your heart pure. It's important. Purity is important. What do you want on display? Keep your heart pure. Cleanse your life. And number five, stop doubting. Jesus said this all the time. Where is your faith? Stop doubting. Number five, stop doubting. Do you believe that God wants to exalt you? 
Or is staying small part of your belief system and your plan for this life? Again, your light might look different than mine. Not everyone in this room is, is meant to be with a podium <laughs> or meant to be, you know, like the prime minister of Canada. Not everybody has that kind of position and role. But the thing that God has put inside of you that was conceived before you were even born, the thoughts that God had in his mind and in his heart when he created you, he wants to see unpacked and exalted in this world, on this planet. Do you believe that? Do you have faith for that? Can you anchor your faith in God's heart and intention for your life? God wants it more for you than you want it for yourself. Can you believe that? That God is actually zealous. He has zeal. He has love. He has passion and desire to see you exalted in the area he's called you to. Do you believe that? Let's have faith that God wants to exalt us. So I wanted to read just one last thing here um, that I had written down. Uh, I would say a prophetic statement. Tiff, Tiff, why don't you come on up? Why don't you just play those keys? This is marriage. You don't even have to communicate after a while. You just, I never even looked in your eyes. Did you just feel my spirit? Always. Okay. high and lofty thinking, and narratives that are imagined and manifested outside of God's nature, will, and character will be brought low. And those who are humble, merciful, not two-faced, and righteous will be exalted in this season to fill the spaces and places where others have been removed. These are the shining ones, reflecting the glory and nature of God, exposing the hearts and bringing life back to the planet and to our city. Can you guys stand up? I said earlier how I believe that God wants to impart inside of us purpose this morning, that he wants to reveal to us the things, the plans that he has for us. And I just want to give a little moment right now for the spirit to do that. Like I said multiple times, my light might look different than your light. My call and my grace might look different than yours. But I'm just believing for the lies that get in the way and the narratives that don't come from the Father just to be removed so that you could clearly hear what God thinks about you. He loves you so much. If you're alive, you're alive for a purpose. I know that sounds cliche, but it's so true. You are alive for a purpose and it's powerful and it's anointed. So I, I, I want us to do this in this moment. 
I want us to ask the Spirit of God to show us the people and the places and spaces he's called us to. And that he would cause for us to fall in love with those people. So whatever you need to do to, to, to simply just position yourself for this, if you want to raise your hands or put your hand on your heart. Maybe it's your mind. Maybe your mind gets in the way. There's too much clutter in there, too many thoughts, too many worries, too many YouTube videos. Whatever you need to do, just open your heart to the Spirit of God. God has a narrative. The Father has a narrative. One of the words for me was that I would help in rebuilding the temple. God has a word over your life. He has a narrative over your life. You're born for a purpose. So Father, we thank you for your spirit that came to reveal truth. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you came to reveal the truth of who the Father is, what his thoughts are toward us, what you think of us, what you've put inside of us, what the, the light we're meant to shine in this city, in this world. Spirit of truth, come right now and reveal to every single person in this room what that looks like. The people that you've called them to, put a picture in their minds, make it clear, Holy Spirit. Put a picture in their heart, cause for their heart to burn for the people that they're called to in this moment, God. Cause for their heart to burn. Remember that moment where the disciples, two of them, after Jesus was resurrected, they didn't recognize him in the flesh, but they, they knew it was him because their hearts burned. Spirit of God, cause their hearts to burn because it is Jesus speaking to you in this moment. God, show us the spaces and the places we're called to fill. If it be a business, if it be um, that you're called to the arts or you're called to politics or it, 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 you, you just you, you want to raise a family and you want to express the kingdom of God through what it looks like to raise a family, if that's a desire for you, the Spirit of God probably put that in your heart. And so we agree in faith for that to come to pass in your life. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Like we, when we know God's thoughts toward us, when we see from his perspective, it causes us to say, it doesn't matter what's happening around me. It doesn't matter about the circumstance around me. It just doesn't because God said it. It will happen. But we need to align ourselves with his thoughts, with his perspective, with what he had thought about us before we were even born. So Spirit of God, reveal it. Express your perspective on all of us in this room right now, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.